Okay, you could start whenever. Welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Again podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Joe. We're an ex-Christian couple learning how to live on the other side of religion. On this podcast, we'll talk about our journey, reasons we left the church, things we're going through now, and ways we've grown since. So today we're going to be talking about uh, resentment, regret, and anger about our Christian past. And I think this is a really common issue for everybody who leaves the faith. It's really easy to get to the point we're at now where we feel so much like happier and freer and feel like the world makes so much more sense. It's really easy to look back on our past and feel so bitter and resentful and just like angry about the way we had to start our lives. Mm-hmm. Like what if we didn't have to grow up that way? Yeah. What if we didn't have to grow up Christian? I think about that. I think about that pretty often. Mm-hmm. So I feel like one of the biggest things that I resent about my past is that I feel so bad for the younger version of myself, for a little kid me that had the idea of hell in my mind as something that was real and something that was was uh, to be feared. Mm-hmm. in day-to-day life. Because I, I don't know, I, I think a lot of the negative negative effects of Christianity probably come from like deep involvement later when when I'm older and when I was like really into it and preaching to other people and stuff like that. But I think from the very beginning, probably my biggest motivation to be a Christian as a little kid was I didn't want to go to hell. You yeah. know? And I feel like that's probably pretty common. But it's it's really hard for me to not be upset that eight-year-old me would be scared of the devil when I was falling asleep at night. Yeah. Like we said, I mean, a lot of parents can come into your room and be like, hey, there's no monster in your closet or there's no monster in your bed. But like, if you were scared of the devil, that was something your parents had already told you was real and was someone who was was scary and who was lurking around, you know, trying to harm you right you know well it was interesting talking when my mom was out here visiting us i shared that with her that i felt like really sad that my younger self had to be scared of hell and she she was hurt she she was feeling so bad that it was like her fault that made me feel that way you know and she even i think she even apologized she said i like i'm so sorry if if anything i did made you feel that way that you needed to be scared of hell, I guess. I think that's important for parents because I don't know that they realize that they are scaring their kids that bad. Right. I don't think that parents who are Christian realize that the thought of a devil who is lurking around, you know, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a lion waiting for those to devour. You know, I don't think that they realize that having that image as a child is so freaky. Yeah. I think that religion has in some ways turned maybe a little bit more fundamentalist than from when they grew up just going to church and then leaving it at that every Sunday. You know, I think yeah. that now a lot of the, our parents are more involved in it and like, you know, be careful of the devil and like, mm-hmm. you need to always be thinking about God. And like I think, he's an actual practical threat yeah, at all times. I think yeah. that that indoctrination on a kid is a lot more significant than I think the, that parents realize. Yeah, for sure. You know? Well, and the the other piece of that is that she said that she apologized if it was ever her who did anything, did anything specifically that made me feel scared of the devil. But even if it wasn't her, it's still in the Bible. You know, like I was still reading the Bible. And even if she didn't outright tell me, I could have read it in the Bible or I could have heard it at Bible school or Sunday school or whatever church. Or your 
Yeah, your school. Literally you went to a anywhere. Christian school. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like it was just her who made that happen. But regardless of what the source was, I feel like part of my childhood was robbed in a way just because I was actually scared of what, to me, was a real monster. Well, I think, and, yeah. And it's hard to put that, like, existential question on a child. It makes you very serious as yeah. a kid. You know, you if as a child, you are thinking about your eternity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just something that it. I think it takes away. You know, it's funny because religion says that you should become childlike. Mm-hmm. You know, you you if you're childlike, you can enter the kingdom of heaven. If you're childlike, you can follow God better. You have a childlike faith, but it grows you up really fast, right? You know, and in a kind of a scary way, it 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 makes you more mature in one sense, but keeps you like a child in another. Yeah. And it's the very opposite of what you want in your life. You don't want to be mature in this sense of like fear of damnation and people's souls. And you don't want to be immature in the sense that you can't like decide on your own yeah. about, or think on your own or right. have your own self-worth. That's yeah, that's true. It, it, yeah. it does. It grows you up really fast. I, I feel like an eight year old kid shouldn't really have much of an opinion about what happens after death. No, I mean, like, just that's, care about playing yeah. and, and learning, like, so I don't know, I, about bugs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I don't want to say all this and make it sound like I was, like, a theologian when I was eight and only reading the Bible. Because I had a normal <laughs> childhood, and I feel like from any outside perspective, my childhood looked pretty normal. You know, I, like, had friends and played in the yard and played video games and, you know, did normal kid stuff. But there were a ton of times when I was falling asleep at night when I was like crying or praying for God to come into my heart just in case he hadn't already, because I was worried that the devil was going to get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of a, that's a bummer. Well, and I think that's the reason why people, if you talk about how your childhood was like abusive as a Christian, they'll roll your their eyes at you because yeah. they think that still that religion provides some kind of good to you. And I think that, realizing and finding other people who also felt that yes like we did have normal childhoods but there was just that overarching thing that religious thing that made you guilty scared like that like yeah that was significant like you can have you can have normal childhoods most most kids play like even if they are abused Mm -hmm. they have like fun times and happy times right and i'm not saying that we're we were abused but like i think that people don't understand the negative effects that religion can have on a small child yeah yeah absolutely and it's hard to see them from the outside i think and i think those are the things that we didn't realize until we were getting out that we saw now and that's what made us so angry right in a way that we could have turned out differently because of it. We wouldn't have maybe had to be so serious or, yeah, yeah. or wouldn't have taken us so long to become who we really are. Right. All of those things. Yeah. It was interesting what you said about how it matures you quickly because I distinctly remember when I was growing up, a lot of my parents' friends would say to me, like, wow, you're so mature for your age. You're so mature. You're so grown up. And I always took so much pride in that. Well, I thought that of you, know? you when I met you yeah. as well. And you're two years younger than me. Yeah. I met you when you were 18. And that seems really young now, but you were, were very mature for yeah. your age. Which maybe that's great in some senses. But I think also that probably did come from just maybe thinking about this kind of stuff earlier than what is ideal. Yeah. And who knows what's ideal? We don't. I mean, we don't know how to raise a kid. Really, but like... We have some things we don't want to do, though. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we have some things that we would be conscious of now. Yeah. What about you? Do you feel like you had anything 
different from your childhood from me, like negative effects? Well, I was one of the things that we did when we were healing from religion is wrote down our family background. And we we read that book, Leaving the Fold by Dr. Marlene Winnell. Yeah. And it, she said to write down just like a family background. And like it was sort of based on, I think, a list of what you learned in your religion. Like, what did you learn? Judgment or uh, forgiveness or I don't know. There's a long list of things Mm -hmm. and you were supposed to pick a couple things and like think if they sparked any memories. And so I, I just read this thing and I wrote down about how I really, uh, learned a lot of judgment and I learned a lot of guilt. And for me, guilt, I think is something that I still am dealing with. Uh, there's, there's just an overarching religious guilt that, you know, you feel like anything that you do wrong, any small mistake you make, even like it just, it makes you feel so bad. Yeah. I think like a guilt of like, or not doing enough, you know, not being good of a Christian enough. And it's funny because I think Christians will tell you, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, you don't have to do that. But then if you ever say, hey, I'm like not feeling great with God, they'll say, well, have you been reading your Bible a yeah. lot? And that, that's like a, that's saying you need to read your Bible more. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there's always that guilt. And I, I got that from the Bible, but I also got that from my mom. I was reading um, in my family background that every time we were little or we had people come over, there was always this, or even just after dinner, there was always this pressure of guilt to help clean up and help clean up the house for guests. And as a child, I was like really scared of of that because I didn't know what my mom wanted me to do, but I knew that she wanted me to help and I felt so guilty. And sometimes she would yell at us for not helping. And now going back home, I can't go back home without feeling super scared of my mom that I just help right away. Like I do something or I ask her out of guilt and fear of her, not out of love. Sorry if you're listening to this mom, (laughs) but I, I learned so much guilt and I do now I do a lot of things I realize out of guilt and I'm trying to like realize that and stop that process because it feels horrible and it's not actually loving to do things out of guilt. And, also, if you're doing things out of guilt, you're hurting yourself. You're not doing things, you know, for you, Yeah, which is selfish. And I realized I was called selfish a lot as a child. <laughs> and now I am constantly insecure about that and thinking, am I selfish? And even now, yeah, as a religious like constantly person, questioning if you're selfish, I guess or, I'm selfish yeah. because I'm living for myself now. It's true. They were all right. You right. know, like I have those thoughts that go through my mind. Like I am selfish listen to me talking right now. Like I'm saying, I don't want to live with God. Like that's the most selfish thing you could say. And that's what everybody's thinking about me. I just know it. And those are the kinds of thoughts spirals. I learned a lot of how to spiral. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And that comes from religion and it comes from your family, but also comes from like what your, how your family grew up. And my dad grew up super, super Lutheran. And so very, that's like a really self-pitying, version of christianity mm-hmm. uh every day when they would say it's at the nicene creed or i mean just the confession from the catechism they would say i a poor miserable sinner confess to you all my sins and iniquities and i had it all memorized and i just remember the sound the drone of it in church as everyone recited it and they really all did sound like poor miserable oh my sinners gosh. and my dad takes that to heart he is someone who gets who has been depressed for the last few the, like a last decade of my life. And I see how, I don't know, just how that feeling, 
yourself as worthless is takes a toll on your body. Of course, and yeah. I, it wasn't until after we were we had left the house that I realized I had learned and like taken up that to be my identity. You know that I a poor miserable sinner mm-hmm. and learned it from my dad, and I then I learned it from the Bible more and from Paul. Yeah, you know, like he. I feel like Paul really had that tone. Yeah, as well for sure in the Bible. And so that's something that I'm dealing with now that I super resent. Right. I am angry that I am not a more confident person, that yeah. I'm not like, I don't believe in myself. I don't trust myself. And I like that. I like thought that I was like a poor, miserable sinner for most of my life. And I didn't like recite that to myself, but all of these things, they subconsciously affect you. And, right. and sometimes you don't even realize it. We're, we only realized all of these things from coming out like recently. And then yeah. like, oh, this is why I think this way. Right. This was so damaging to yeah. me. Like, I wish I didn't think this yeah. way, you know? Right. That Yeah, that stuff, it adds up. And especially after you're, you're living like a whole lifetime. I mean, not a lifetime, but so you live 10 years as a Christian. And for those 10 years, you're constantly feeling like I'm a poor, worthless sinner. Oh, thank God that he can take care of me. That's it definitely changes your brain. It changes the way you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you can't really notice it until you get out and you realize why you think those things about yourself or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was this really interesting moment a couple summers ago that my dad was obviously feeling depressed and my sister came up to him and she said something like, Dad, we all love you and so does Jesus and he's the most important person. Mm-hmm. that you need to love you. And I, I'm just, I just say whatever I think. And I was just like, actually the most important person to love yourself is you. Yeah. And she agreed with me, but I was just thinking that was such an example yeah. of that thought process growing up. You need to love yourself. Which isn't that interesting that I, I, I guess, I don't know what modern day Christians think about that issue, but like when I was Christian, it was totally more important to me that Jesus loved me than that I love myself. Yeah, who cares In fact, about yourself? I like tried not to love myself because yeah. that was prideful. You're sinful and, flesh. Yeah, because I'm like a, I'm a worthless sinner. So why would I love myself? All of my love is for God, mm-hmm. and all, the only fulfillment I need is God's love for me. Mm-hmm. I resent that a lot. I I didn't realize until recently that I had a really low opinion of myself, or like I just I didn't I don't know I I yeah I, I didn't respect myself at all. And it's funny because it's not, it's not in the way that you would think. Like you just didn't respect yourself to decide on your own or be who you truly were. You thought that it was a higher good to do everything for God instead of for yourself. And it it is backward and it takes a while for you to relearn that, hey, actually you need to start living your life as you. Yeah. And it's not selfish. It's okay. Right. You know? Yeah. That, that is actually, that brings up another thought that I think. I had such a high respect for authority, starting with, of course, starting with God as a highest authority. And that was like the, the, the authority that everything else had to be submissive to. And mm-hmm. everything else, I mean, like my thoughts and what I chose to do as hobbies and this and that. It was like everything in my life was filtered through this God filter. And if it fit in, then I could do it. And if it didn't fit in, it didn't. Um, so I had this insanely high view of God as the authority figure and I get all of my wisdom and any information and any self-worth, it all has to come from this authority, God. Mm -hmm. But then by extension, I feel like there is a lot of like different authority structure in the church as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're, 
you're supposed to respect your elders a ton. You know, you, there's always supposed to have elders in high respect, not only elders in the church, but like you're just anybody who's older than you, I guess. That <laughs> if they're older, a, they're smarter, okay? That's, I mean, I really thought <laughs> yeah. that, you know, like if somebody's older than you, then they deserve more respect than you do because mm-hmm. they like, I don't know why. They just, that's just what I thought. They have more life experience. Yeah, right. But so I think that it, it makes me angry that for so long I kind of put a cap on my own thinking and on my own judgment, my own intuition. And I always, always, always would defer to an authority on whatever mm-hmm. I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know, so in Christianity, I never, I don't think anybody really thinks for themselves so much and comes to their own opinions about who God is. But like, I never, I definitely never thought about that on my own. I would just read books from Christian authors who told me what to think about God, or I would listen to sermons from Paul Washer or from John Piper or from the the pastors at my church and hear what they have to say about God. And I would or accept from what Maddie they Montgomery. say. Or from Maddie Montgomery from Four Today. Today. Yeah. You know, I would, I was always looking elsewhere for insight and looking elsewhere for like permission to believe a certain thing or mm-hmm. for the motivation to follow a certain doctrine. It was always coming from outside of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I resent that so much, yeah. you know, and I, I, that's not to say like, if you're not Christian, you instantly have a great set of conf- a great confidence and a great uh, intuition and stuff like that. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. But for me, I know that I was like programmed into respecting authority way too much. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. And it's funny because We've talked about this before, but I, I felt that everything that I was, was like, was sinful. I wasn't supposed to be that way. And one of that, one of those things was with authority. And I was never good with authority. I didn't respect people who were older than me. And I always hated when people, I had to defer to them to tell me what to do because I always thought I had a super good gut. Mm-hmm. And I, and actually like now when we are making decisions, we trust my gut. You do. You're so intuitive. And it, you like weren't allowed to exercise that, no, or you felt like it was sinful it to was exercise sinful, it, and it was always a struggle. Like it felt unnatural. Like I would think I don't want to trust this person, but then feel like, well, I have to because I'm Christian and this is part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And now that we're out, it's a lot of things I'm finding are such a sense of relief. Like. I was right. Like, I was right. Like, you can trust yourself. Like, the whole time I was working against my own inner wisdom. Like, I never, I didn't, there was no way I would have thought that before. And I was really happy in Christianity. And I thought that everything was going well. And I was, like, seeing lots of fruits and blessings. And But, like, now on this side, there were so many things I realized I was working against myself. Right. And that are so easy now for me. I'm like, oh. I was just this way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and that's not to say that I was this, just a sinful person. No, it was just, it was just who I was. I have a good intuition. I really can trust myself. Or yeah. I, I think it's really important for you to think on your own and have opinions. Yeah. Or to like what you want to like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it was just like everything seemed like it flowed better. Yeah, right. Everything it all life. makes sense, right? You're not like swimming upstream or you're not fighting. Like yeah. you said, I, I like the way you put that, like fighting against yourself mm-hmm. all the time. But that's not to say that I didn't leave without all of that resentment of wishing that I would have just developed my personality and those traits of myself early on and not been told I was selfish for them. Yeah, right. Or told myself I was selfish for them. Yeah. 
Well, I think that goes along with like purity culture stuff. And I, I know from when I was young, like 12 or whatever, I think my parents had the, the sex talk and a 12 year old boy is going to be pretty interested in that kind of stuff. Not from their parents necessarily, but <laughs> I feel like I, I, you know, all of our natural desires as humans, like were considered sinful, you know, yeah. all of the things that I wanted to do. I, I was so like, so down on myself all the time because I liked girls and sometimes I you know I would say what you're gonna say Joe (laughs) I mean I like any 12 year old kid wants to masturbate you know but like every time I would want to I would feel so guilty like I like not only should I not do that but literally there's like some kind of sin inside of me that is has tainted my whole body and I'm like worthless and I need and God to get that sin out. Should not be there. Yeah, and that feeling shouldn't be there. And That's someone's the thing. watching you do it. Yeah. Knowing that, that God is watching you, knowing that that feeling shouldn't be there and it's only there because you're sinful. Mm-hmm. Do you think the church is starting to realize how damaging that you know sex education can be? I think so. I, I read something recently and I don't know the specifics of what happened, but there was a guy, Joshua Harris, who wrote a book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Um, and I read that book. And I think my parents got it from someone and recommended it to me. And I think we might have read that together. We might have, yeah. It talked about like courting instead of dating, I think, and how it's really, really important that you don't kiss before marriage and you don't have sex before marriage and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read recently that he like came out and made a statement about how he was wrong and how his his teachings i guess were really damaging and to was, young people and that the fact that he was like 21 years oh, old yeah. when he had written it and had never been married he was an unmarried 21 year old kid or something and he wrote this book about christian dating and relationships and marriage and yeah so anyways I, I yeah. think potentially people are kind of starting to realize that there's got to be a better way to teach about this but like i mean the bible is really clear I think the Bible is clear. So, I mean, like, you can try to change your teachings as much as you yeah, want. Yeah, you can but, modernize like, Christianity, but you can't, you can't really the Bible. modernize the Bible. That is, um, sexual purity is actually one of the biggest things that m- makes me angry. Yeah. Now, that and then teaching children that there's a devil or hell that they should be afraid of. Those are the two things that sometimes even now when I hear people's stories and how they're affected from it, I feel very, very angry. Mm-hmm about it because I just don't think that children should be taught that their natural feelings are sinful. And it took a long time coming out of the church. I say long just because it sh- I don't think it should have taken that long to realize how natural just the sexual desire is yeah. in people. Like we it's natural, okay? Yeah. Like people need to get that through their heads that when you have a desire for like that it is not sin. And telling someone that and then expecting them on their wedding night to think that sex is the most magical thing that God created for you to show his intimacy between the church and him, that's not working. No. You can't preach that something is terrible your whole life and then preach that once you pass this imaginary line that it's good. Yeah, right. It's that's That is infuriating. Yeah, that affected it, us so strongly. Yes. I mean, I was just thinking, as you were talking, I was thinking, like, even now it's hard for me to admit that as a an adolescent boy that I masturbated. Yeah. It's, you know, it's you still, I'm like still like guilty about it, I guess in some sense, you know, and that, you know, growing up 
as a kid going through that purity culture and being so like hating the natural desires of my flesh was so damaging. And then when we started dating, you know, we read, I kissed dating goodbye or whatever. And I remember we like set boundaries for ourselves so that we wouldn't like do more than kiss Mm -hmm. before we got married. And even that, like, obviously we're dating, we're like teenagers and we are very hormonal and like all of these natural feelings we're having towards each other. It's one thing to just not act on them, but I think the, the negative effects that we experienced were from the fact that we like hated those natural instincts. Well, that we thought that they were all sin and we had so much guilt associated. So much shame around the fact that we even felt like we wanted to be intimate with each other. Yes. And so, yeah, you like, we dated like that and had this weird shame complex around anything having to do with intimacy or sexuality. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's a perfect, (laughs) it's like the most backward system where you have, all these years of feeling one way about sex. And then on your wedding day, all of a sudden you're supposed to just drop years of shame and guilt and self-loathing around the topic. And all of a sudden it's supposed to just be great. Yeah. I think, and it, I mean, I'd love to have another podcast to talk about all of sexual purity, but Mm -hmm. like long story short, it affected our sex life. And I'm sure that a lot of people, a lot of Christians can relate to that, that, we now had to deal with years of indoctrination of sex is bad and then couldn't enjoy like a regular healthy relationship right. afterwards. Yeah. It's for, it. it feels foreign to me and when I read about other people who have like thriving sex lives where that's like a really significant, important part of their life. Well, I think we've we gotten, both, we've had to like go through a lot yeah, because of it. And right. One of the best things is like leaving religion and not having to like have that anymore. Yeah. You know? But even so, you know, the, it's hard to change your thinking about things. Yeah, it's, it's a process it for takes sure. A long and time. I, I, you're right. I like, I really, really resent that part of mm-hmm. my childhood. And I resent that in church and leaders will stand up on stage and be like, "Have you seen my hot wife? Like, oh, oh my wife's on. so hot. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, sex and marriage is great." And like, when everyone is like suffering, and everyone else yeah. is sitting there like, "But I can't have it until after marriage, right?" right? And they're yeah. like bragging about it. Mm-hmm. It. It makes me really upset. Yeah, that's a really bad one. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, we definitely could talk about that for an entire episode, and I think we will because I think that Christianity coming out of Christianity and sex is like it's a really big issue. Mm-hmm. We have lots to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing I was thinking about is that uh, my my upbringing was really positive in a lot of ways. Um, and I had a lot of opportunities to do cool things. Like I, I played drums for a long time and I was in a drum and bugle corps and that was a really big part of my life. And I, uh, raced snowmobiles for a part of my life. And that was a p- big part of my life as well as something I really enjoyed. Um, but in both of those cases, I like never completely committed myself to either hobby. They were both things were things I loved. Both things were things I would love to have done like full time as my job. You know, mm-hmm. and that the opportunity to do that is available. But I felt like everything in my life always had to come secondary to God. Mm-hmm. So with my drums, I loved playing drums. I really wanted to commit myself to it. I wanted to, you know, become the best I could be. But I didn't really want to become the absolute best I could be because I was so worried that it was going to become an idol in my life. And there were certain times when I would stop practicing for a little bit because I felt like, oh, it's like becoming, I'm enjoying it too much. Really? Yeah. Or, yeah, snowmobile racing too. It's like anything that I, 
was doing that I started to enjoy too much, I would get freaked out and I'd have to pump the brakes and say like, whoa, this is, this might be becoming an idol in my life. And mm-hmm. I would pray and I would say like, God, I don't want to lose these things because I really enjoy them, but I really don't want them to become idols in my life. So help me not to idolize them mm-hmm. and help me to remember that through everything I do, you need to come first. Mm-hmm. Which is saying that it's weird hearing myself even say that now because there's part of my brain that's like, oh yeah, that's good. That's like a good, humble mindset. Oh, that's very selfless. That's very selfless of you. But no, like, come on. You know, I <laughs> I feel like I threw away potential in yeah. some of these things because I didn't want them to become more important than an invisible God who like never did anything for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel really frustrated. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it set up a weird pattern in my life and a thought pattern in my life where it's been really hard for me to commit wholeheartedly to anything. Yeah. You know, I've never like taken anything to the end. I've never like totally devoted myself to something and taken it to the end. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just on me. Maybe I just need to be someone who can commit better. But I think in the past, the fact that I wouldn't commit all the way to something was considered a good thing. And I I thought that was a good part of myself Mm. that no matter what I did, I always had God above everything else. So that way, never nothing would ever take the place of God in my life. Nothing would ever become an idol. But then, by extension, I never would like really fully explore anything to its full potential because it was always had to be second place behind God. Mm-hmm. Even uh, even our marriage relationship. I don't know that like practically how our relationship could have changed, but our first few years of marriage. Before we started to leave the church, God was always more important than our marriage. Yeah, we always said that. I mean, that's what we would say. We'd say and that's God like, is more important than yeah. each other because he's the one who's holding us together. I, I don't know if practically he actually was, but I f- really felt that he should be. Mm-hmm. And so I would have guilt about it if mm-hmm. he wasn't. Yeah, if you like, if we were having too much if fun If I together. had too much fun, if I like was too focused on you or if I loved you too completely and, and forgot about god or the rest of the world yeah that was sinful that's hard because you know what that is essentially is being in a in a threesome you know like having a relationship well we've said this before but i keep thinking of all of the ways that it's harmful is that if you're dividing your attention like the a relationship works best when there's just two of you Mm -hmm. i mean our relationship does yeah at least I, th- I was thinking too, another really big thing that I regret is how much God was a part of our wedding day. And we recently found our vows um, and love to share them someday, but like they were very God centered. And we were saying that it sounded, they sounded so foreign as if that was totally like we were totally little Christian cl- yeah. clones. Yeah. That was not what we wanted to say about each other. Like when right. I think about our relationship, I would say so many more things about you than what I did in my vows. I right. talked about God most of the time. And I resent and regret that we, for some reason, stopped kissing six months before, like, or when we got engaged, we stopped kissing because we wanted to be extra pure. And we decided to save that, like, first kiss again for when we got married. That was dumb. We had already kissed. Why do we, like, stop kissing? Because we were trying to focus on God, like, by taking out kissing. Right. And I also regret that we didn't serve any alcohol at our reception because um, (sighs) there's no, I can't think of the reason. Yeah. Because we were, I don't know, not wanting people to get drunk. I think, oh, this is why. There was a friend I had in crew, and she told us that's what they did. And I always was really jealous of how holy she was. And I always thought that you deserved a more holy girlfriend like her. And I wanted to be very, like, I wanted to be holier, more pure. 
Like, and I yeah. wanted, and so I suggested that because I thought that she was such a good example of what a Christian wife would be. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, and I, I like your sin, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so dumb. And I felt, I feel so embarrassed about it now. Like that our relatives just wanted to have a, like a glass of wine yeah. with dinner and we didn't, they didn't even have any alcohol, like because they weren't allowed to serve it. Right. Not because, not because if they paid for it, they wouldn't give it to them, but just because literally they weren't allowed to serve it. Yeah. It was, yes. Yeah. So a lot, I regret that too. there's a lot of anger and resentment. And I think that a lot of people have this same feeling. And, and I think that if you think about these things all the time, you stay in this place mm-hmm. of anger and resentment because I don't know, it's easy to stay yeah. that way. I mean, I think like anything, if you, we're learning more and more that so many of our problems or the things we're dealing with in life that we want to get through or whatever, it's all just mental. Mm-hmm. Everything, any of your problems is just mental. I mean, I guess unless you have like some crazy medical issue, but that's aside it's from not, that. It's not, <laughs> yes, it's just that you, the way you can control them is mentally yeah, in your brain. Right. You are in charge of what you think. Yeah. So I think that it's easy for us to look back on our upbringing and our past and be angry about it. I, I feel like we're justified in being angry about it. Do you feel that way too? Yes, I do, but I wouldn't. I don't want to, I don't want that to define me. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel too. I I feel like it's justified that I can be angry about some of the ways that I was brought up. Um, and I, I don't know that I'd say I would, I wish I was raised non-Christian. That's, that's a bigger topic than this podcast. And I think there's a lot of different nuances, obviously that go into raising a child and, and learning morality and that. But I, I think that, We've, I've basically come to the conclusion that it isn't serving me at all to hold on to the anger about my past. We're, we're reading a book now, and it's by um, it's called Freedom by Osho. Uh, anyways, he's talking about what real freedom is in life, is claiming total responsibility for every part of your life. Um, and that's really resonating with me right now, because I think like I said, it's really easy to hold on to the anger from the past. It's really easy to go over and over things that you would have done differently. Or it's, it's easy to look at your childhood and think, why my parents, why would my parents have done that to me? I wish they would have done this differently from me. But as you know, you can't change the past, you know? So what we have now is we're, we're here and we're out of Christianity. We have our whole lives ahead of us, hopefully, And it's going to be up to me whether I want to make the most of that or if I'm going to just sit in like a victim mindset and allow my past to be chains that hold me down. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've left, we've left Christianity and that was like taking the chains off. And I, it kind of feels like to stay angry about it and to keep thinking about my past and keep wondering what if it would have been different, uh, is almost like picking those chains up and putting them back on again. Mm-hmm. Nobody's asking me to do that. There's no reason for me to like pull all that baggage back with me. Mm-hmm. The The best way to move forward, it seems like, is to just work every day on like inner work, to stop thinking about those negative past things. Stop like remembering things that you wished you would have changed. Stop imagining what if you would have been different and just take where you currently are at and make the most out of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, 
I mean, that's really hard to do in the moment when you're really, really angry and you're really resentful. And that's something that's really, really hard for me because you, you know that it's not good for you to feel that way. But it's also, it feels vindicating to really be like, yes, I, they, this affected me and mm-hmm. it was hard and it's affecting my life now because you want someone, to, if someone would just reach out and say, yes, that happened to you and it, you're, you've, you know, you have a right to feel mad. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Like, I think that that happened for us when we read that book, Leaving the Fold, Mm -hmm. that I felt really vindicated for it and, like, realized that, yeah, like, religion does have an effect on your your childhood and, like, who you become as an adult and or who you don't become. But what's really helped me now is putting this spin on it. I'm I'm choosing to look at this whole situation in this way. This is – it's actually funny. This whole situation is really interesting. It's like – a science experiment in a way can like can you believe that we all grew up so deeply engrossed in this one ideology and then we had a moment of like life shattering where we went to just like see a completely different perspective on it that's kind of miraculous and actually a really cool life experience <laughs> yeah. to claim that you knew one ideology so intimately and now have experienced another one another side of it where you can look back on it as if it's a bubble that that is something that not a lot of people experience yeah and another thing about that is you you don't you since you grew up christian or mormon or whatever or islamic and you're not that anymore you can say i completely delved into that religion and i know it's not for me yeah. you know if you maybe didn't grow up with any religious background maybe other religious people come up to you and say how do you know that this religion isn't good you've never tried it well you'd have an answer for that <laughs> yeah. yes i have yeah. i know it's not right for uh-huh. me uh, you know and i know it's not real or whatever you want to say yeah. and another way i like to think about it is that this this whole experience has given me a deeper appreciation for life that I might not have had because on this other side, I'm so, I am amazed a lot of the time how free I feel. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe the difference in my life. I can't believe how, I don't know. I know that everybody, I see people talk about this as well, and I know that you feel the same thing, but the freedom is incredible on the other side. And I don't know that I would have appreciated it if I didn't go through what I went through. So I think looking at it in that way and really using it as your origin story to Mm -hmm. propel you forward is a really cool way to look at it. And it's helped me a lot get out of the, you know, it's helped me to get out of the resentful mindset and the angry mindset and look at it in a way as a a blessing, an interesting story, something that's made me who I am. Yeah, And so yeah, you should try that. Yeah, that has been, I feel like that's something we've tried to focus on a lot mm-hmm. is how free we feel now, mm-hmm. as opposed to focusing on what could have been if mm-hmm. things were differently in the past. I think we're really trying to focus on the positives of where we're at now. And you're right that it, it is, it's like starting over again. I, I feel like in some ways we had two lives, you yeah. know, we, we lived a certain way and we saw the world from one perspective and then now, boom, we start over mm-hmm. and there's downsides to that where I think we've talked about how we feel like little kids in the world sometimes who like never really grew up. Um, but the other side of that is that we're like little kids again and we're learning about the world again from mm-hmm. like a, f- a f- blank slate, fresh start. I'm learning about like trees and science and learning how mushrooms evolution. grow 
And yeah, it's so... I can't believe I've never read about evolution before. (laughs) The world is so amazing when you're reading about it from an evolutionary standpoint and Uh how things work that way. And so, yeah, it's really easy to be resentful. It's really easy to be angry about your past. But I think it's really helpful to be in wonderment at the world around you now. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I'm taking this as a learning opportunity i'm like just learning everything i can about how the world works now Mm -hmm. because it feels so good to learn it feels so good to not have to throw out certain parts of science and stuff Mm -hmm. you know because of my religion now i can i can learn whatever i want i can read books and even if i don't agree with the author's religion i can take parts out of it that i that help my life and if i don't like it then i don't have to take it you know there's no rules and that freedom feels amazing yeah feels like we're in a weird like new world playground we're kind of just exploring and figuring things out Mm -hmm. for the first time in Mm -hmm. in some sense i think and i think that's we chose to think that way like we made a decision that we're gonna think this way and that's what's really helped us yeah you know like let's put the spin on it let's look let's look at the world as though we're looking at it through fresh eyes which Mm -hmm. we really are and that's actually an amazing experience to have when you're 30 yeah right you know uncommon and really amazing Mm -hmm. for sure yeah i appreciate life a lot more now i think it's probably easier for us to stay in this good mindset because we have each other to talk to about this stuff every day so i i can totally imagine that if you're alone in this you have nobody to talk to about it's a lot harder to keep yourself from spiraling down into those negative thoughts about the past or anger or resentment about the past and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Some things we have found really, really helpful for that. And and we keep mentioning it, but the book leaving the fold by Dr. Marlene Winnell um, it's linked on our resources page on our website, but you can find it at on Amazon or on her website or wherever that book was so, so, so helpful in our recovery from our past. Mm -hmm. Like Katie said, it kind of, revealed a bunch of different ways that religion affected us or could have affected us. And then it talked about different methods of recovering from that. And it talked about really common thought patterns you might have and ways to get over black and white thinking and ways to get over that feeling of being a child lost in the world and visualizations to follow along with and meditations to do. Um, that book is full of great resources that really helped us to get out of the like negative quagmire of our past and try to focus our thoughts on um the the positives and on the here and now i guess Mm -hmm. really i think another thing that really helped us was a community and that's what we loved so much about the subreddit the ex-christian subreddit Mm -hmm. and if you haven't checked that out you definitely should because it's really great to just talk to other people who've had the same life experience as you and gone through the same thing that's great and if you believe anything Mm -hmm. and it's just it's very healing and it's it's vindicating and good to know that other people are going through the same things as you. And even some people are further ahead than you are in your process and they can offer some advice and yeah. some wisdom and, or say it's going to be okay. It just took a little bit longer to get through whatever that is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we've been thinking a lot that that talking about this stuff is actually the, the best way that we've healed from it. And we've really wanted to create some kind of a community through our podcast if we can. And we just, we're wondering what's the best way that, or what's the way that you guys like to talk to people online? Like, mm-hmm. where should we set up a community? Yeah. You know, is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Is it just on our website? Is it a Patreon? Is it on a Reddit? I don't know. Yeah. So maybe if you're listening and you've thought about this before, I've like wanted to 
join a community like a born again again community like if you could just send us a message or an email somehow get in touch and let us know if you've thought about it before yeah, where for you'd sure. like to where do you like to talk yeah we'd love to talk more with other people and we've actually considered doing a meetup at some point i don't know where that would be or when but it'd be kind of in the future yeah but i i think like one of the best ways that we've healed from things is just talking about them with other people and realizing we're not alone in Mm -hmm. this yeah absolutely and you're not alone i know it probably feels really alone it feels really lonely Mm -hmm. a lot of times but you're absolutely not uh, thank you again so much for the people who have sent messages to us sharing your story or just sending encouragement to us or questions or whatever. It's been, I can't tell you how healing it's been to hear from you guys who are connecting with the stories we're telling. Mm-hmm. Um, just hearing that your story is similar to ours, period, is mm-hmm. like so healing to us. Um, and we really, really appreciate it. So yeah. yeah, feel free to reach out if you ever have any questions or if you don't have any non-christian friends you can talk to or if you just want to talk we love talking to you guys about this stuff yeah yeah um so yeah um that's how we've dealt with it Uh, i guess i just want to let this be an encouragement that um you probably had a rough past and your christian upbringing was not ideal and your time spent in christianity probably did have some really strong negative effects on you and you are justified in feeling mad about it but uh, you're going to have a lot happier and a lot more fruitful and a lot better life if you decide, hey, I'm not going to sit in my past anymore. I'm going to take the reins and I'm going to claim responsibility for my life and I'm going to live the hell out of my life now. Yeah. Because that's what we're doing. It's working out so far. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hope this podcast helped you guys and we'll see you next time. Bye.